try to uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, as Aaron said, my name is David. I've, over the last couple of years, been meeting some of you uh, at various and sundry uh, different places and occasions. My wife's name is Anita. Uh, we've both been up here uh, just with a gathering that was hosted by uh, or facilitated by our national uh, family of communities that's across the country, a gathering called Metanoia. And I've got to tell you, if you were unaware of it, OVV, your crew uh, just served like incredible. Linda, Linda, the cute one with the glasses, can I, if I can say that, she was uh, absolutely stellar. Uh, Salome and Mark, hokey dine like they just hit it out of the park. Who, who has ever eaten Salome's, did I say Salome? You know why? Because the food was so good. I'm thinking salami. And then it, it just went into salome. But uh, salome and uh, Mark uh, ran just uh, sound incredible. Anna, is Anna Sumex in here? Is she out with the, her and Kathy? Kath, is Kathy in here? They're out with the kids. Well, they were doing that for the last couple of days uh, with us as well. And Janelle, is Janelle in here? Holy freak show. Can I say that? I'm from the West. The West were a little more loose, so I'm sorry. I know I'm in Eastern Canada now. I need to be a little more prim and proper. But uh, Janelle's artwork, we had some of it uh, around the space, as well as work from artists from all over the place. Who has purchased some of Janelle's artwork? Janelle, did you look? lift your hands up? That's amazing. Uh, we have a national initiative called Vineyard Creative, and uh, one thing that we deeply believe is that worship and the expression of our faith bleeds way outside of the box of just liturgy and music, uh, that there's space uh, for creative, so creativity. So I'm, I'm really stoked um, to have Janelle start discovering the larger artistic community that's uh, not just on, in Ontario, but uh, right across the country. So I'm going to give you a little snapshot of the vineyard, but we're also going to be just, uh, I think, just nestling down in a text in the book of Mark. Uh, projector stuff is a little bit faded, and I really apologize. I probably should have been a little more uh, administratively astute and done a little stuff a little more ahead of time to make sure it was collab- uh, uh, not collaborating, calibrated with your system here. But uh, hopefully you'll understand what I'm talking about. So if you do have, if you if you like looking at it, like right in front of your eyes, whether off a screen or the printed page, uh, you can go to Mark chapter eight. But I'm going to reflect a little bit too. And I'm pretty stoked. My youngest son, Josiah, just got engaged as well. So uh, we can't do anything together. Like, don't ask me for money or anything. But they will. Uh, I, that just makes me really, really stoked. So he's found a great gal and is down in the Los Angeles area. Uh, I have three other daughters, and their names are Tamara, Crystal, and Jael. They're all married to real fine guys. And my wife is jumping on a plane, heading down to Los Angeles in a couple weeks to be there for the birth of our second granddaughter. So I know I look way too young. I know you're all super confused right now, but... uh, um, I come from the prairies, and I got married at 12 years old, and you know everything's all it's all all right. But um, it is so 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 good to be here, and uh, very very encouraged by what is happening in our country. And I just realized I've got my remote right here. I know we've been praying and stuff, but let's just maybe settle just for a second. And if you're comfortable with this, you don't have to do this. We just open our hands together just for a moment. We say, "Come, Lord." 
just in the insanity of Ottawa and Carleton Place and the swirl and jobs and all the good stuff and mundane stuff. And thanks, Lord, that this experience is not separate from that, but that we can find a little bit of peace together here today. Let your kingdom come. Rest on us. Make us aware of your inner presence in us, Lord, for those of us that have surrendered to your kingdom and your lordship. Teach us, Lord. Feed us. Change us. Transform us. Help us say yes just one more time. Tomorrow will look after itself. Help us find out what we're saying yes to today, this afternoon, tonight. Just that one step of obedience that you're calling us into now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I uh, just had another like little sort of rabbit trail kind of thing. Just kind of, but you're you're gonna get you won't get used to me because I won't be here long enough. But you know my my sort of I, I, my tendency is you know there's like rabbits bouncing all over the room. Is rabbit trail like a, a familiar term in Eastern or actually I learned not to call Ontario Eastern Canada. Uh, Need and I've just been in this Canadian sort of role of just serving uh, the communities across the country, trying to just help glue things together and such like that. And I was in Halifax last year, and I realized in that moment, I, I just said, I'm so sorry. I said, I'll, I'll never call Ontario Eastern Canada again. And the whole church just like rose up in like massive cheers. And it was like, so... Uh, as an Albertan, I was born and raised in Calgary. I'm still learning about my own nation. And uh, we were able as well to take, uh, last year we, we did with a bunch of vineyards across the country. We thought we're just going to do something a little bit different. And we did a thing we called Strengthening the Outpost Tour. We've got a lot of communities that are uh, scattered uh, from coast to coast. It's, it's kind of a fun adventure. I think you're discovering maybe about our vineyard communities. We have what we call a very big tent. We're very clear about what glues us together, the teachings of Jesus, and a certain uh, way that's comfortable for us to live it out, and that's why we've kind of found each other. But as far as the expressions of church, they're just various and sundry. Uh, We've got, you know, large churches. We've got smaller churches. We've got churches that are centered around business. We have house group-based churches. Uh, in London, Ontario. The vineyard there does not meet in a central facility like this. They gather in, in scattered houses. In Abbotsford, British Columbia, there's about 800 people gathering in a gymnasium together. Over in Halifax, you'd walk into that church and there's an ice cream shop at the front thing that is a full functioning business in the center of the community that runs all week long and they're finding people come to Jesus week after week after week as they're coming in and they also have a full bore childcare thing. We also have uh, a community in Calgary that started a company called Epic Roofing just to help 
provide jobs for some of the homeless, as well as some immigrants that they were uh, coming across in the city of Calgary. And it now, under the direction of Merlin Bartell, who was pastoring the church, realized, you know what, I'm not really called to the church. I'm kind of killing people in this environment. If I stepped into more the entrepreneurial business world, stayed part of the church team, maybe that's where God has me. And he's flourishing. And last year, they were in the top 10 tier of the fastest growing companies in the entire nation of Canada. And the faith community now, the, a young gal and her husband, uh, Joyce Reese, and her husband, Callum, stepped in. Joyce is the senior pastor, and it's the faith kind of community element is just beginning to flourish. And we're doing, but then we thought, you know what, let's, let's just go to some of the outposts. So a whole crew of vineyardites went up, and we went up to Yellowknife. There's a little community up there that has just been faithfully serving Jesus and and engaged amongst, particularly amongst our First Nations people and such like that. And then the funnest part of the whole thing for me was we ended up in Annapolis Royal. Do you know where Annapolis Royal is? It's on the far east coast, and uh, it's one of the earliest white establishments in Canada. It might be the first white establishment in, in the whole nation. We got a vineyard there. Guy named Dave Taylor, he's a lobster fisherman, he's always texting me from his boat, and he's out there, and we grabbed a crew of people, and we went into this community, the village is 400 people, and there was 40 people in the church that night, and their church is a little larger than that. I said, you guys, you're the freaking, you're the biggest vineyard in the entire country, You've got like over 10% of your town is in your community. And they're like, what? We thought we were small. We thought we sucked, you know, kind of thing. On top of it all, Dave Taylor, he meets me in the parking lot. He's like, oh, Dave, I got it. He's kind of, I don't know why people go through this. We all have our sort of vulnerabilities, right, and our insecurities. Like, oh, you know, Dave, we're the geriatric vineyard. You know what the average age of the church is? 78. Bev is the drummer. She's 82 years old. Her husband contracted Alzheimer's about six years ago. And she just needed sort of some kind of outlet. She'd always wanted to play the drums her whole life. So she went out and she bought a super high-end drum kit and took three years of drum lessons. And she just nails it. I mean, she is, she's probably one of our best drummers in the vineyard movement in Canada. That's what I love about this family. And I said to Dave, I said, you know, he, we got talking, and he's actually working on it. We have a gathering, I'll uh, mention just as we wrap up today. I'm already blown half my time, I'm so sorry. But it's like, uh, um, I, they're, they're making t-shirts from the Annapolis Royal Vineyard, the geriatric juice of the vineyard. And, uh, but where I'm going with this is, I was standing in the midst of this gathering, and I looked at them, and I don't know, something just overwhelmed me. I think it was a nudge of the Lord. I just kind of, in, you know, one of those sort of moment things. I looked at them and I said, you know what? We've been having a lot of conversation about millennials, about younger people, about this sort of thing. And it's a really, really important conversation. We're in dialogue right across the country. What, what does this look like? How do we posture ourselves? How do, do we need better language? Do we need better attitudes? Definitely. Uh, you know, is there a posture issue? Like, it's not a Jesus issue. It's got to be an us issue somewhere. And we're also having a lot of conversation about the urban centers. Um, 
just navigating there, uh, Anita and I spent 11 years in the heart of Los Angeles in, in Hollywood, and we've planted a vineyard community there, which, by the way, a guy from Winnipeg moved to L.A. to work in the music industry. Uh, he's a Grammy Award winner and a brilliant guy, Adrian Bradford. They walked into the little vineyard in Hollywood there, and we just we started growing. Our, at the average age of that vineyard down in Hollywood is 26 years old. Adrian walked in, and you know what, what he just completed last year? He did all the scoring and all the music for the Alpha movies. That's from a vineyard guy. Anyway, little, just a little side, little bragging rights, family bragging rights. You know, we don't like boast, but it's like kind of a, kind of a cool thing. So we're having conversations about the urban environments. What does it look like to church plant there? What are the strategies? What are the mechanisms? What does generosity look like in the city? How do we share? How do we actually carve out community and not just get in the grind of just doing church and running meetings? Is there, is there new ways? And I said, we're talking about that. And you're probably hearing a lot about that. I said, if you are ever getting the message from us that because you're in a little village on the far-flung end of Canada and you're seniors... And you're just kind of tucked away here that you don't matter. I said, I'm so, so sorry. You know what happened? The whole place just started weeping. They felt completely left out. Completely. And the Lord began just weaving us and teaching us. And It's about walking together, right? It's not about targeting or marginalizing. It's not about labeling it's about discovering who Jesus has right in front of us. And the miracle of the church is this. A community begins to take shape that can't exist in any other space in the culture. It's a miracle. Galatians chapter 3 talks about when we're baptized. You guys are doing a baptism in, in a little bit here. And the imagery in the text is you come up out of the water and you're just kind of your... You know, your hair is dripping and you're getting the water out of your eyes and you're, you're just seeing like in a totally different way. You're just, you're coming up and you start looking around the space and what do you see? No male, no female, no Jew, no Greek, no young, no old, no rich, no poor, no black, no white, no Hispanic, no Mexican. It's like this incredible community of grace and faith that is birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We say, let the kingdom come. Let the kingdom come. And at the very center and the very heart of this community and this journey is Jesus. You're going to see that there. But I'm just going to read just quickly. What does this look like? His church. And so for us in the vineyard, kind of where do we fit? There's an there's a early instructor in Christian thought. His name is Paul. He'd written quite a bit of stuff that actually has become part of the biblical text that, that we would value actually as the word of God. And he is a very unique individual. He's moving all across the world. He's in different cultures. He's bumping into different languages, different cities. He's, he's, he's truly the pioneer of what we would understand as what missional Christianity is all about. And Paul says, we aren't making outrageous claims here. We're just sticking to the limits of what God has for us. We're not barging in on the rightful work of others, interfering with their ministries, demanding a place in the sun with them. What we're hoping for is that as your lives grow in faith, we're just part of the expanding work of the kingdom. We have no intention of moving on on what others have done and taking credit for it. If you want to claim credit, claim it for God. What you say about yourself means nothing in God's 
work. It's what God says about you that matters. Isn't that a beautiful little snapshot? In Vineyard Canada, we kind of say it like, like this, and I, I'm going to forget all these slides. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you just really want to hear, but we're not going to do it. Um, stay in your lane. Another way to say it is just, just be comfortable in your own skin. And so we can stand in the midst of the beautiful, wide expression of Jesus' community with Anglicans, Baptists, Presbyterians, and Free Methodists. I'm part of a little church in Kelowna, British Columbia, a little vineyard, and we're partnering with the Free Methodists right now because they have what we need, we have some of what they need, and we're like, let's just walk together. Let's share facility, let's share space, let's care for the poor together. Let's walk, see where the overlap is. In the day-to-day trenches of pastoral care and church life, we're enough different that we'd like drive each other nuts if we tried to do everything together. But let's find our common ground and let's just be faithful. As churches we do that, but as individuals as well. Just stay in your lane. It's okay. Just be who you are, changing, growing, learning. But step up, step forward. And we want to create communities and create spaces where uh, this can happen, even just right across our country. Um, I tried to bring up the Mark text, and it didn't happen. Does anybody have Mark 8 in front of them? Can you just read it out really loud? Somehow I think you have a loud voice. Oh, the verses, oh man, they were on a slide there somewhere. I can't. Mark 8, 14 to 21. What a crazy story. So we think about the little journey of OVV here. We think about Valley uh, or, or uh, Vineyard Ottawa just down the road. Some new churches, some older church. I think about the community that I'm a part of in Kelowna that's I've been there for 15 years now. It's been ups and downs and you're, you're kind of whatever. Just trying to stay in your lane. Just stay faithful. Don't compare yourself to others. Don't... don't uh, <laughs> Don't feel pressure. Don't demand a place in the sun. Remember all these sort of reflections that Paul is giving us. So we land in this story of Jesus. And what's happened is he's just fed 4,000 people miraculously. I've only seen this happen one time in my life. We were church planting a vineyard in the heart of Winnipeg, the Winnipeg Center Vineyard. That's another different kind of vineyard. It's four stories, an old building that was uh, left empty by the Canadian Pacific Railway, sat empty for years and years and years, and there was a million, multi-millionaire in the city who'd purchased the facility. You know you got too much money. The guy's a freak show. He's going to take the entire top floor of the building, which is at least the size of this gymnasium, or or probably bigger. The square foot, the footprint is way bigger than this. But it's about the same, probably about the top of those pillars high, four stories of that kind of a building. They used to take trains and store them in this space. And they had these crane systems that they would lift trains off the tracks and whatever. And this, this really wealthy man is a train freak. So the train tracks obviously are running right by this building, right in the heart of Winnipeg, almost at Portage in Maine, a little further north than that, up Main Street, if you know Winnipeg at all. And he's, um, gonna pur- he's purchased it. He's going to take the entire a space bigger than this and create a model train world. 
so that he can watch the model trains and he can also look out the window and watch the real trains and have his big desk and his office in the middle of this thing. He's not a follower of Jesus, but he knows some people in our church. And we've hit about the eight-year mark in our history. We're in the north end of Winnipeg amongst glue sniffers and the broken, this collision of suburb and inner city. Church had grown uh, to, to a significant size at this time. There was so much pressure to move to the suburbs, but we were like, we've got to stay put. We just got to be faithful. If we move to the suburb, our whole dynamic would change. Yeah, a millionaire sitting beside a glue sniffer, sitting beside, you know, this, it's kind of this, um, the Galatians, right? This miraculous community. And this guy had been watching us for seven years. I didn't even know him. Anita and I are called to Los Angeles to plant a church there. Got some amazing young leaders. We just handed the whole entire church over to, and they're running it to this day and doing a way better job than we could ever do. They're celebrating life. There's a there's a vineyard a school of mercy and justice that, that you can check out online, vineyard.ca. If some of you are piqued by that, and especially if you got a gap year coming up or you're younger, you whatever, just kind of go over there and hang out with them. There's some kind of cool stuff happening. Anyway, I got to speed this right up. So he's been watching us. Two weeks before we're about to leave. It's difficult, right? Transition is hard. Our hands are open. There's tears. There's, you know, why are you guys going? Well, we just feel the Lord. We went through a communal discernment process of about six, seven months. You know, like the things like, like what Doug and Linda facilitate. Let's just go listen. Let's just stop everything. Let's just kind of wait. This whole deal. My son was eight years old at the time. He stood in the middle of a leaders meeting once. And I don't know what happened to him. I think the Lord just kind of touched him or something. He looked at everybody and he says, you guys, it's going to be okay. Like, you're going to be all right. He says, we, you, some of you think we want to leave. We don't want to leave. He says, but if we don't go, it's disobedience to Jesus. Then we're all screwed. And everybody, and there's my little eight-year-old kid just like kind of pastoring this whole group and helping Anita and I like significantly. Two weeks before we're about to leave, everybody's panicked. We don't know what's going to happen. I got to shorten this story right up. Like legit for real, this guy had been sleeping night after night after night, and he thought about, he thought, they stayed down there for seven years, and they haven't left. Who are these crazy people? So then he thought, well, maybe I can give them the bottom floor to use. I'll rent it to them or whatever. A couple nights later, well, maybe I'll give them two floors. A few nights later, maybe I'll give him three floors. You know what ended up happening? He gifted the entire facility to the Winnipeg Center Vineyard. Offerings just coming in from glue sniffers and people from the street and everything. God's got this thing in his hands. He's got this thing. He's got this thing. So the disciples are in this boat. Jesus has just fed 4,000 miraculously. Oh, I didn't finish the one little story. So the very first meal that we did, community-wise, we were just going to do a Thanksgiving thing. We started in October. Thanksgiving came up. We opened it to the streets, and then we just panicked. We way, way underestimated what would happen. We had gay prostitutes, uh, glue sniffers, uh, people from all the inner city lined up down the sidewalk, and none of our people had showed up yet. I mean, we only had like about 20 people. So we got our potluck stuff and this and that. And of course, we've got to let them go first. 
lay out, you know, this is good Manitoba fare, you know, meatballs and, you know, all kinds of good, you know, converted Mennonites to vineyardites and we just got lots of food, and, uh, you know, but, but not enough for this. So I panic and I send one of our leaders down to KFC and I say, just buy just like a bunch of buckets of chicken, just get it. And we'll just have it here just in case. And I am lusting after Violet Rademacher's meatballs. Because they are so good. And she's got a huge bowl of them in the center of this table. And I just, I'm just watching person after person just taking meatballs. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting really upset. Because I'm like, I want those meatballs. But I know I can't like step in the line. Like I just got to you know, open this space. So I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to have to go for the KFC. So we have these buckets sitting over there. We go, we go, we go, we go. Now, this has only happened one time. I would love to see this again, and maybe I will. Maybe some of you will. I'm telling you, we got to the end of the line, and there there was a layer of meatballs in the bottom of that thing that never disappeared. There was food on all the tables. We didn't crack open one KFC bucket, and we we gave plates of food to people. To take home with them to their families, single moms, people from the inner city, mainly First Nations. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to cheer or nothing, but it kind of you're, you're sort of a boring crowd, but that's all right. So it's like, like it, it is it, like legit. No, there's other times when we felt the pinch so strong, so strong. But that's the time just to wait, right? So here are the disciples in this boat. And what do they start? The first thing they start doing is they start fighting about who forgot to bring lunch. Like actual physical food. This isn't a spiritual theological dialogue. Peter's ticked off at John. John's ripped off at James. James is upset with Andrew. You didn't go through the drive-thru, dude. Like you, We had you arranged to go do it. And they're squabbling. And the weird thing is this, and this is somehow the mystery of how God can communicate with us sometimes. They actually do have one, just one hunk of bread. But that's kind of the point, right? There is one loaf. And his name is Jesus. There is one source of provision. And his name is Jesus. You can stay in your lane. You can stay faithful. You can stay true. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Does it look like they're inheriting the earth? Absolutely not. But stay meek. Stay in rest. Stay in that posture. You're not going to lose. You will inherit. You might not get everything you ever dreamed about, and certainly... Maybe not what the culture tells us we need. But Jesus is enough. He is the one loaf. And then just quickly, he gives us a warning. He says, when when you get yourself in a place of panic or fear or anxiety, and we all experience that. This isn't about never being afraid. This isn't about never being anxious. It's about... When you're in that space and you allow it to begin to, to shape the, your, your prayer life, you allow that to begin to shape the way that you serve in community, you allow that to begin to shape the way that you deal with your spouse you, or, or your friends, you, the way you 
train your children, if it's coming out of a place of anxiousness, does that make sense? Like, and fear. Jesus says you become vulnerable to two things. One is religion. The yeast of the Pharisees. Yeast is really a tricky thing because it changes. You start with one thing and you end up with another. Sometimes that positive, in this particular teaching of Jesus, it's not positive. And religion at its heart, it's this. I'm so afraid I'm going to lose. I'm so afraid I'm going to sin. I'm so afraid I'm going to not be what God wants me to be. I'm so afraid of screwing up. I'm so afraid of what people think. I'm so, on and on, right? Whatever our own personal list is and whatever the list of all our communities are. And we begin to clench. And we're driven into, into politics. We're driven into posturing. We're driven into creating a space, even as, in, as inclusive as we want to be, we start unintentionally creating exclusion. Who's in? Who's out? Who's better? Who's worse? Who's on top? Who's on the bottom? Because we're so afraid of losing. We're trying to hold on, not just to stuff. That's the smallest thing. We're trying to hold on to some kind of an identity not trusting that if we abandon it all in the eyes of, in the hands of Jesus, and he said this, right? If you die, you will find. Have you heard Jesus say this? Like if, if you lay down your life, you or if you die to yourself, you will find life. But if you cling, you will die. And it creates shame. The spirit testifies with my spirit. I'm a child of God. And I can say, Abba, Father. No shame. But religion brings shame. Most times self-inflicted. And then it gets really ugly when it's inflicted on each other by community. The essence is it's never enough. It's never enough prayer. It's never enough work. It's never enough setting up of chairs. It's never enough tithing. It's never enough giving. It's never enough. And, and we, we unintentionally, out of a good heart, we start creating a sliding away from the dependence on the one loaf. And if we stand there, all of a sudden, we're generous. We're free. We serve out from out from under the bondage of obligation. Because the why has returned. Even the business community knows this better than us. Simon Sinek, you know, learn the why. And when the why is lost, it's just a grind. And for those of us that are in the community of faith, the why is always Jesus. It's Jesus. Quickly, he just, of course, gives us this uh, other warning. I look at all these thoughts I've got, which I won't give you right now. Power. When we deal with each other out of anxiousness, we begin to use power to leverage. Instead of trusting the authority that God's put on our lives as a father, as a mother. What is at the heart of all injustice? An abuse of relational power somewhere. A doctor to a patient, a 
the rich to the poor, a friend to another friend, a leader to those that are, that are under their care, a politician to his constituency. Jesus says, let go. I am enough. I am enough. So the leaven of the Pharisees, this religion, and the leaven of Herod, which is this politic, this. I'll either leverage my way into security or I'll work, work my way. You know what I mean? Jesus says, don't you remember? Remember. Remember what I've done for you. Remember. Sometimes it's, we remember through the stories of others, right? It's okay to chat like this. This is good. So, think about where you're, where you're at. Is there any trigger that's just making you do this right now? Sometimes the difficulty is when I do this and I hang on too much and things get really tough, that just doesn't turn into a holding on. It turns into one of these, right? Especially if I'm feeling shame. Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit is here to cleanse you of shame. And you'll change. He's inviting you forward. He's saying, you can do better than this. You can do better than this. But it's not through religion or through politics. Look to me. 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 So Holy Spirit, I don't know if I've made sense at all, but I know that you speak. And so come, Lord, and just distill whatever you're trying to say. Some of us as individuals really need to hear something right now. Maybe as a community we need to hear. Lord, as Vineyard Canada, we open our hands and Lord, we say, speak to us across the country and across our movement internationally. Lord, help us see where we're squabbling in the boat (laughs) and we've lost sight of you and we've just got so focused on all the stuff that we got to sort out. It's, but, but help us keep starting and ending at the right place, Lord. Where you are the beginning and the end. Where you are the Alpha and the Omega. Where you are the I Am. Where you are enough. Where you are enough. Where you are enough. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this community. I'm so thankful for Sumax rolling into this turf however many years ago, 10, what, 11, 15, 13, 12, pick a number. But uh, in a crew of people, Lord, uh, people that are here now, come and we go, Lord, we just say, establish us. Help us just settle in that boat and see you. I bless your eyes to see Jesus. I bless your heart to trust Jesus. I bless your hands to open and allow him to hold you. 
And God is a whole movement of churches and we stand with all kinds of communities across our country right now and spilling across time zones as the day goes on. We all say, you are the head of the church, Lord. You are our source. You are the source of all things. We love you. We love you, Jesus. And as awkward and as clumsy as it feels, I just say, we love OVV, and I love you, and Nita loves you. I know that always sounds cheap and kind of like a little platitude, but it's really, it's true. We're, we're trying to get better at it. We're really trying to get better. And we all need Jesus, right? We all need Jesus.